0: Traveling the world, searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Hi, good afternoon, equestrians. This is Scott Miller coming to you live from Delray Beach, Florida, at Sunshine Meadows Equestrian Village. Ready for a good week. Um, hope everybody had a great New Year's, a great holiday. Um, hope all the things pan out for you. You know, you get on your schedule, get on your plan. You know, hit it and get it for 2024. that's what it's all about. Um, we have got a lot of things going on here today. Uh, we're kind of getting some things lined out here at the International Equine Network. Um, all of our goals that we're going to try to hit this year, we hope we do. We've done a lot of schooling over the last couple of years on programming and the way things are going, and you know, just what needs to be done in the um, um, equine industry. Um, I tell you what, I think we're going to have a good year. I think we're really going to have a good year because people are starting to realize exactly what the horse business means uh, to people in the international and domestic uh, theater. Um, it's really important that that we do things uh, and keep our communities uh, in mind of what we do in the horse business were a vital part of the economic impact um, of each community and each state and each country. Uh the horse business is, is a giving business. Um, they try to, they try to do the best they can and and whatever sets them back they you know they just go right ahead with it and and keep going. And just to prove the point, uh, in Japan uh they had a lot of um, situations um uh in japan they canceled all their activities through january 5th uh they've had um a lot of disastrous situations there i mean it was just it was bad uh they had a new year's day earthquake the devastated parts of the western uh japan has impacted the thoroughbred racing there and um the horse racing industry um they have uh, turned their racetrack in, into, um, uh, you know, a helper. Uh, they're a very, very big uh, uh, helper. Um, I tell you, it's uh, they're they're getting money to the people. Um, they're getting help them with housing. Um, they're they're doing with all kinds of things there, and that's why they canceled racing until um, in, in, until today. Uh, they're, they'll start back. Uh, tomorrow on January 6th, but, um, you know, they, they've come to aid of their community. Uh, they're helping with housing. Um, they they had a 7.6 magnitude earthquake, um, you know, and, and it's just devastating that, that you can do. Uh, you know, what, 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 what can you do when that happens? Well, I'll tell you what you can do. The horse industry stepped up and they're starting to help with housing and food and, and you name it they're, they're doing it and that's great that they do that and, and that that would happen anywhere at any track anytime we've had a, a disaster anywhere in the tracks uh, uh, that we have here in the states uh, they're, they've always been there to help and that just goes to show you what a valuable part of the community uh, the, the equestrian industry is it's just not thoroughbreds but it's you know quarter horses show horses uh, standard brand horses uh, they're all right there to help in the community and, and why do we do that is because the community gives to the horse industry so much um they, they they're a vital part of what we do and how we do it and it's exciting you know to be a part of that industry but yet it's even more exciting when you can help out your local community uh with the things that uh that that we do so you know that that's a good good thing right there um uh, You know, it was a bad uh, end of the year in Japan and other places, but it was a good year to start out because they've got a lot of help and support from the horse industry, and that's what it's all about. Um, You know, again, we're talking about uh, distribution and information here at International Equine Network. Um, The British uh, Racing, to launch a premier marketing incentive, or initiative, sorry about that, um, it, basically what it, they do, um, uh, they're going in and they're working with the communities. Uh, they're, they're, creating races. They're, uh, doing all kinds of things that, um, need to be done to get people into, uh, you know, watch, watch the races. Uh, as a part of the uh, 2024 fixture list, there's 170 meetings, which uh, are race, racing, uh, entities. It'll be in Europe, and they're going to be uh, really pushing, uh, uh, you know, the, the the programs there, the race programs, come out and visit the tracks. They're going to be doing a lot of things to get people involved with it, and, and that's really good. When you're talking about 170 meetings or, you know, uh, race schedules that they have over there, I, I'm telling you, you can't go anywhere without seeing, or, you know, a racing event. Uh, you know, in Europe, and that's really good because it's part of their culture, their heritage. And so everybody's trying to, you know, get, get things going and rolling in the right direction and, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, just do whatever they can to help promote the business for us. And that's a good thing. So just Google horse racing wherever you're at, whatever country you're in, whatever city you're in, and that'll pop up and you'll see what kind of uh, local horse events that you have. And they're really something to to go to, uh, from the smallest one to the biggest one. Uh, you know, it, it's um, it's great. Uh, it's great to go out and just relax and see the horses. And you know, you don't have to own one, you don't have to ride one, uh, you don't have to train one, take care of one. You can just go out and visit the the local equine uh, events in your area, and just see what they have. Um, it's exciting. It's exciting to do. And one of the exciting things that I like is a trainer named Billy Mutt. This guy is just unbelievable. Um, Billy is considering another Middle East trip with uh, Casa Creed. Um, This Casa Creed uh, is a nice horse. Um, He resumed breezing uh, January 3rd in preparation for a potential um, trip back to Saudi Arabia for the... the, um, 1351 turf sprint on Saudi Cup day in February 24th. Um, the newly turned eight-year-old uh, worked three furlongs at 37 and three on a dirt track at Payson Park in South Florida. The four-time Grade One winner, Kasha Creed, has experienced most of his ex- success in New York, but has traveled to several lucrative races, including the past four Breeders' Cups. Um, just amazing what this horse can do. His best performance uh in the Breeders' Cup came in his last start in which he was uh third beaten by half a length um, by Master of the Seas. Uh the Breeders' Cup mile at Santa Anita afterward he turned out uh for an a rest and vacation a little bit. So he's gonna be headed uh over to um, over to Saudi Arabia and uh he'll be running over there. Uh, Billy said first, second, or third, uh, place finish in a two million dollars, uh, about a six and a half furlong dash would push, uh, Casa Creed over the three million dollar mark. And, uh, you know, that's just amazing. This horse is an older horse and Billy Mott can get, uh, he can get old horses, young horses, uh, but he's better with old horses and grass horses. He really is. So that's, uh, Casa Creed will be headed, uh, for Saudi Arabia it looks like, here in a, in a month or so. Um, Spencer Farm um, has contributed $50,000 to Light Up Racing. Spencer Farm has made a generous contribution of $50,000 to support the Light Up Racing initiative. Um, light Up Racing and the community-driven effort uh, dedicated to shaping the future of thoroughbreds, uh, horse racing, by promoting transparency awareness and accountability. The donation from Spencer Farm, one of the most respected breeders in the industry, is a strong statement for the support of uh light up racing following the path of leadership shown by SASIC Tipton. Spencer Farm's owners and presidents, Eric Gustafson, expressed um, his thoughts on uh contribution starting our donation our donation demonstrates that our commitment to upholding the highest standards of horses, horse welfare, uh, fostering transparency, and driving a positive per, uh, perception to change our industry. Uh, what I like about uh, this now is all these uh, farms that are getting um, really good um, uh, messages out there to the general public. Uh, for example, like now here in January, they have... Um, Uh, a lot of the farms uh, starting in January invite the general public out to the farm uh, to see their stallions and and to promote their stallions. And and it really works good because uh, it gives you a chance to go out and see everybody and see how they're doing and, and where they're going. And, you know, it's just, it's really something else, uh, you know, that that I like to see um, in in our business. Um, You know, People, if they know about the industry, then they can understand the industry. And a lot of times, all they see is a, um, you know, a bad, uh, a bad news article, or you know, here's something you know that's happened bad in the industry, in, in the industry. And what I like about what this initiative is doing is it's giving people the opportunity to see exactly what horses go through. And I'm awful glad that uh, all the farms are starting to join in. And I tell you what, it's a really good uh, family tour for the for the people. Um, It really is. Uh, You go out and you can see them. It's a good family thing. You don't have to know a lot about the horses because uh, when you go there, you'll walk away a a little bit um, uh, with a little bit of education and a little bit of knowledge of uh, what we're going to do here in the industry. And in that way, it makes uh, things like uh, the Derby and the Breeders' Cup and, and the horse shows, it makes them um, uh, more enjoyable when you start to understand it a little bit more. And you know, the great thing about it is, is you don't have to be a rider. You don't have to have a lot of knowledge about the business. Um, you don't have to own a horse. Uh, you know, you don't have to have a farm. But it's a good, good, nice uh, family uh, situation that you can go out and really enjoy it. And I'm telling you, the the more education you get on the horse business, the more you enjoy it. You know, it's just not a horse running out in the field. You know, you can be driving by a farm and see some horses running out in the paddock. You know, and I always ask when I was a little kid growing up, are they going to run in the derby? Are they going to be in the show horse business? Uh, you know, what are they going to be? It makes you wonder, you know, where their journey is going to take them when you see them out there. Where have they been? What have they done? Uh, you know, like here it's at uh, Sunshine Meadows, uh, our motto is that we have past, present, and future champions here that are training. And that's what I, I see when I see the horses out in the field. Um, you know, are those past champions, are they present champions, or are they future champions? And when you start looking at the horse business with that attitude, Then it gets exciting because then you want to go to the shows and to the races and into the sales and everything. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see. But the Stadium Farm's open uh, house schedules will be posted on our um, website here uh, next week. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see. For example, um, uh, One Star Farm in Lexington will host an open house January 7th, um, or January 7th. Uh, through the 11th, uh, between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., uh, the open house will be held at the Farm Stallion Complex on, uh, Payne's Mill uh, Road in Versailles. Uh, visitors are welcome to come and, and appointment to, uh, and make an appointment to view the one star roster for 2024, uh, led by Constitution, uh, and Life is Good, um, just uh, country grammar. Uh, it's just amazing. Two fills will be there. Uh, it's amazing to walk up and see all these, uh, stallions up close and in person that have, um, you know, won, won some of the biggest races in our business. And uh, that's at One Star Farm, uh, uh, in Lexington. Uh, I tell you, it's, it's worth, it's well worth the visit to, you know, to go out, out there and see these, these stallions. Uh, it's, it's, those are the future. Uh, breeders, uh, 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 derby winners. And speaking of the, the derby, um, I have a documentary that's being uh, filmed as we speak on everything that we're doing. And right here in the office, uh, it's literally started our first filming day. And uh, I'm putting together a nice documentary. It's called How They Get There, the 2024 Kentucky Derby. And this project has been in the makings for many, many, many years. Uh, it, it a lot of, it's taken me a long time to educate myself and to actually experience the things that we're going to be filming uh, for the Kentucky Derby. It's a good example. Uh, one of the projects that we're doing is how the horses ride on vans how they ride on airplanes and how they ride on ships. A lot of times uh, you might have a country that might be shipping a horse to the, to the states or to Europe. And for example, like in Macau or Japan and they, uh, part of their journey is on a, is on a boat, a ship. Um, we're going to show how they fly in airplanes. Uh, we're going to show you how they uh, transport it on the ground. And the preparation that it takes to get them there, um, how you have to school them to learn to, to load onto the vans, onto the planes, onto the ships. Uh, so, and that's all part of how they get there. And, and we're going to talk uh, to owners uh, about um, how they how they got into the business, why they buy the horses they do. Do they buy horses uh, to go in training, or do they breed their own? As a homebred at their own farm, um, you know that that's important. We talk about how they're going uh, to be fed and what they're going to be fed and the process of feeding. Um, you know, there's more to just feeding them than just throwing, you know, some grain and hay, you know, in front of them and letting them eat. And there's a there's a method, there's a there's a scientific uh, formula um, that you feed them. Uh, according to their training. The more they train, the different their feed is. The lighter they train, the different their feed is. It's a little bit lighter, you know, that type of thing. So we're going into that. Um, We're going to go behind the scenes at the sales that are coming up to see how, um, you know, the owners uh, buy horses and, and why they bought that horse. And, you know, was it the bloodline? Was it the way they look. Because I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of horses that have very, very uh, normal, uh, average bloodlines. And they end up becoming winners, you know, even derby winners. And, and so that's what the owners have to take a look at. Um, we're going to find out uh, and we're going to follow two trainers that we'll not announce next week. We're going to announce the, the trainers that we'll be following. And we'll also uh, be naming the owners that we're going to follow for the 2024 Kentucky Derby. But uh, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. It's, it's just not to, uh, you know, they say it's the fastest two minutes in sports. And, and really there's a lot more to it than that. That's just the end result. And we never do know the end result of, of a horse race or the Derby until they cross the wire uh, at the finish line. And that's, that's what you see a lot on our our website and it's a segment called at at the wire which we have uh, that's uh, live right now um, on our website it's at the wire showing on races from across the country uh, and where they're at for example in hot springs arkansas at Oklahoma park they got rain uh, snow and yeah, snow is coming down like there's no tomorrow there uh, we've got aqueduct that's live uh, we've got tampa bay that's live and those are the things that we do here and it's all part of how they get there. Uh you know it's it's a tremendous uh uh project that that I've taken on here and you know it's always going to be changing it's always going to be something different and it's and this project is just like a horse. We don't know what it's going to be like until we hit until we're at the wire. And then we'll know what kind of documentary it's been we're going to know what uh, who was there, you know, how they got there. And, you know, that's just something that we do here. Um, You know, we're going to show you how horses get their shoes put on, uh, how the blacksmith shoes a horse, uh, which is going to be interesting. And you can understand, you know, um, how how they stay on, uh, what they have to do. Uh, Do they use a nail or do they glue them on? Uh, There's just so much that we do in our our, uh, blacksmith segment. that's going to be really interesting to see. Um, and then when we talk to the owners, like I said, we're going to find out about, you know, why did they buy that horse? Did they breed the horse as a homebred or did they buy it? And when they do buy it, why did they buy it? You know, what, what leads them to that? Was it the bloodline? Was it their confirmation? Uh, you know, those are the things that, uh, you know, that they look at, you know, here, uh, in the horse industry. Uh, I tell you, the owner's got the toughest job in the world. Uh, because he has to allocate the money to buy, you know, the horses. And sometimes they can spend over a million dollars for a horse and the horse doesn't run. You know, there's other times that, uh, you know, they spend thirty or $40,000 and the horse becomes a grade $1 million winner. You know, we don't know why, you know, horses run like they do. There's no set way to train them. Uh, there's thousands of trainers out there. And, um, you know, there's no one right, right way to do it. Uh, I remember one time uh, talking with Woody Stevens, and a, and a uh, uh, reporter says, Woody, he says, how did you win five belt months in a row? And with something that's never been done before and will never be done again. Woody told him, he said, if I could write a book, he said, I'd write a book on it. And he said, I'd be making millions of dollars and there'd be everybody would be training for the Belmont. So, you know, basically what he was saying is there's no right or wrong way to train a horse. Uh, and that's for sure. Uh, you know what? Why each horse is their individual and, and you never can tell what, you know, makes them go. And that's the unique part about the business. And the owner has to determine all these things. And the owner has to come in and, He's got to get a trainer uh, that fits his style, what he's looking for, that fits the horse. Uh, you know, there's so much that trainers do nowadays that's uh, unbelievable. And it's hard for a trainer to, you know, uh, get uh, lucky, as they say. Uh, a lot of times uh, people say, well, you know, horse racing is luck. You know, he got lucky and won a race. But no, there's, there's a lot to it and it's all all about consistency. And in the horse business, you've got to remember that a horse is a creature of habit. They're used to doing the same thing day in and day out. They're used to getting the same feed, the same water, the same training, the same everything, same groom, same rider. Um, you know, that, that's important to them. They're creatures of habit, and, and anytime you um, get that horse out of a habit, You know, uh, what he's used to doing, like, say, shipping to another racetrack um, can be very, you know, uh, tough on a horse. And, and, you know, that's, you know, you upset the apple cart, as they say, you know, then then you're, you could literally be going back to, uh, you know, square one and you got a great, he got a great horse. But, you know, something changed up in his daily routine, his his habits. And all for Like like for now, we were talking about last year, uh, going into the Derby last year. Um, there's a lot of good horses, a lot of good horses. But along the journey to Churchill Downs, they had issues. Some of them had a feet problem. Uh, some of them had shipping problems. Uh, some of them had weather problems. Like, for example, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, they've got snow today. So, you know, the horses that you have getting ready for the uh for the Derby are going to experience four or five days of cold weather, uh, rain and snow. You know, how's that gonna affect as a training? You know, we really we really don't know until you know, the next race that he runs in. And that's what's going to be interesting to see. And those are things that the owner, you know, and the trainer now have to think about. What were the weather weather conditions? Um, you know, how long was he in it? Uh, was it was it good? You know, last year they had a lot of rain. They had a lot of rain last year, and the horses that were running, you know, was traveling and in, in, um, you know at the fairgrounds in New Orleans and the hot springs and uh, you know uh, places like that, you know, it, it was tough. Uh, they had a lot of heat in Florida last year uh, in, in the winter time. Uh, New York was about average. Keeneland was about average. Uh, you know, but it's all things that play into the training schedule and that's what the owner and the trainer, you know, have to think about. And i tell you what, it's a, it's a tough road to go. It really is. It's a tough road to go. So now, uh, we got uh, an owner and a trainer trying to get on the same page. Uh, they've got a horse now. They're trying to see, uh, where he's going to go, uh, and how they get there. You know, do you, do you, uh, go to Churchill via, uh, hot springs arkansas or new orleans or california uh you know kentucky florida new york you know where do you go uh, they all have races you know that, that can be uh one if if you go and you got a good horse and that's one thing about the kentucky derby and how they get there you got to start assimilating the team that we have you know we're talking about uh uh we're talking about um you know, trainer, we're talking about owners, uh, we're talking about transportation feed, blacksmiths, uh, you know, the whole long nine yards. And then you got to put in there, uh, the thing from, um, uh, you know, if a horse is getting, gets hurt, you know, you got to lay him up. You're going to miss training. You know, how many days can, you, can you miss in training? Now going to, going to the Derby right now, it's, it's five months away. The Derby is, it's five months away from the Derby right now. And so you're going to basically have maybe three to four, maybe even five races between now and the Derby for your horse. Five races would be pushing an awful lot between now and and the Derby. You're looking between three, you know, three, four races before the Derby. And and this is what you have to think of. From last uh, September until the end of the month or till the end of the year, We had, you know, quite a, we had a few um, uh, derby point races. Uh, To get into the derby, you have to have uh, derby points. And they're awarded different points, you know, for different races. And, um, you know, it's going to be tough between now and then uh, here in the derby to get those derby points. You're going to have to win, come in second or third uh, to get to mount the derby points. And that's going to be the tough thing. So what we're looking at right now is we're looking at going to Churchill Downs on the first Saturday in May. The Derby was started in uh, May 17th, 1875. It's the third red track. The sponsor is the Woodford Reserve Brown Foreman people. Uh, They're the ones that are putting up the money. It's a mile and a quarter, which is 10 furlongs. And the record is held by Secretariat in 159 and 4. It's a dirt surface, left-handed turns. Qualification, you gotta be a three-year-old. Colt or gilding or a filly. Three-year-old. It's, uh, three million dollars, uh, to, uh, uh, for the prize money. A million, eight hundred and sixty thousand dollars to, uh, the winner. So you're really looking at something, you know, that's unique there. Um, the, the Derby is is something that everybody dreams about. Everybody wants to get to, but not everybody can do it. Only 20 horses can get to the Derby this year and they got to go through a qualification, you know, process to get there by running, um, you know, all kinds of, uh, uh, prep races for it, as they say, uh, what's unusual about the, uh, the Derby is it, um, it's like no other race. Uh, they have 158,000 people, uh, attended the Derby in 2017. And when you got two a hundred, you know, 158,000 people, n- there's not a horse on the planet that has seen that many people at a racetrack. The noise, the activity. It's a 10 day uh, long process going, uh, leading up to the Derby. Uh, and there's just so much hoopla and so much uh, noise and, and things that that horse has never been experienced, uh, you know, had the experience of. And, and so, you know, you're starting to look at it like, holy cow, you know, how's he going to react to it? How is he going to react to it? And, and, you know, again, it's on how they get there. Uh You can't take a horse to any track, you know, nowadays. It's going to have that many people at it, you know, for just that race. And it's an all-day, you know, thing that they have to go through. Um, you know, I tell you, uh, I was really interested uh in horses before I even thought, even knew about the Derby. And then when I actually got to experience the Derby, I got to work with Derby horses and, you know, and take them over to the paddock and hear my old Kentucky home coming out of the tunnel. You know, it was just amazing. You know, I could feel the electricity. Uh, you know, the horse I was walking over and taking back out to the track, you know, for the jockey to, you know, to, uh, to run the race. And you could just feel the electricity in it. You could feel and see the horse tense up. Uh, you know, it did, had no idea what was going on other than it was a race day, you know, and it was amazing to see that. Uh, you know, the people screaming and hollering and, and the weather conditions, whether it's, you know, sunny and nice and, you know, cold, or it's cold and rainy. Uh, you know, there's just so many things that just add to it, you know, that, that's there. And, um, you know, I, I was excited to do that, but more importantly, I was proud to be a part of that, of that tradition. And, and that's what I talk about a lot here, uh, you know, on IEN is tradition. Traditions become, is, is a habit that you get into. Uh, sometimes a tradition is just like the, on Saturday in the Kentucky Derby, you get together with friends and neighbors and, and you, um, you know, have a barbecue and watch it on TV. Uh, then there's other traditions. You know, there's other traditions that you might go to Hot Springs or you might, uh, have a party for, uh, you know, the Arkansas Derby or for the Louisiana Derby or the Santa Anita Derby. You know, you can have, have those traditions at your home and not be, you know, not not have to go to the track. And that's what the horse business is all about is is tradition, your daily routine, you know. And that's what's exciting about the Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont and the Breeders' Cup now. So those are things that, that you can do, and those are your own traditions. You can create by yourself. You don't have to have any input, any horse knowledge. You don't have to have anything other than post time post times usually uh you know for most of the big races around 5:30 at today and, and uh you know it will be a uh, uh, a tradition that, that you can that you can follow now for example um the the uh, the derby prep races that we've been talking about uh you know that you qualify uh tomorrow um uh, we have uh, the drone stakes it's uh, from aqueduct uh, it's a derby prep race. So you get 10 points for winning that. And it's, it's a, a short field. It's only a five horse field. And, and this is another thing too that on the trip to, on the, uh, on the way to the derby. This is a, a very important stake race. It's the drone stakes at Aqueduct. The weather's going to be cool. There's a five horse field and you get 10 points for winning it. So we're going to see what happens with it. We've got, um, Todd Pletcher, uh, one of the best trainers in the country alongside Brad Cox. Uh, we got, um, Ginter, uh, there, Linda Rice, which just has just done everything that you could do in New York. And then we got a, a trainer, a trainer by the name of Russell in there. So it's a five horse field and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, with that. You know, I tell you. I'm getting excited already about the Derby now. I'm ready to get the barbecue grill out now is what I'm ready to do. But no, I'll all kidding aside, Uh, you know, the Derby's about tradition. It's about um, the things that you do to get there. Uh, a lot of trainers have to decide what route they're going, uh, uh you know, Louisiana, Arkansas, New York, California, you know, Florida type thing. And there's no really certain way, to, you know, to go because every year uh, a horse wins the Derby, it's unusual how he gets there. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know Todd Pletcher's good at, at it. He's won a couple of derbies. Uh, Bob Baffert, you know, uh, he's not racing in the Derby this year because of some legal issues that he has. Um, but you know, he he's been there before, and he usually comes through California, and and but not necessarily. You know, he he's gone to Arkansas, New York, Florida, and you know that type of thing. But he's mainly a West Coast trainer. And so, you know, that's that's where they, they come from. And, and like um, at Oakland, they had the drone stakes last um, on January 1st, which was the first uh, race of the year that, um, you know, you have to try to uh, qualify for. And, and it was a good race. Uh, Brad Cox won it. Um, and Brad Cox has got horses in, and you know, in tomorrow. So, uh, you know, at Aqueduct. So they just going to show you that, You know, he's got one horse coming through Arkansas, and will probably, you know, run into Arkansas Derby. Um, We've got another one that's coming through, um, you know, he's got another one coming through New York, so there's two different directions right there. But Catching Freedom was a good horse. He went it by two and a half lengths. Um, It was a nine-horse field. Uh, The horse ran good. Uh, You know, I I tell you what, you know, and now it's starting to get interesting. Now where does he go from here? Because basically, he's going to have to win one more, maybe two more races to get his derby points to qualify for the derby. And, you know, again, it goes back to, you know, this, these cerebras uh, they run about every 30 days. So, you know, you're looking first of January, you would be looking at February and March that he could, and that he could, you know, that he could run. So, you know, you're looking basically three more times, but he's got to run the races to get the derby points. That's the big thing. You got to run the races to get the Derby points. And like I said, we got the drone Stakes that are coming up uh, tomorrow. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that comes out. And so you're looking at January sixth, and then um, you're looking at uh, uh, January twentieth. Uh, you're looking at uh, Tampa Bay Downs, uh, Oakland, uh, Gulfstream Park, San Anita. Uh, you're looking at uh, Aqueduct again, Tampa Bay. Uh, you're looking at Sunland Park, Turfway Park. Uh, then the, the first leg of the series to where it, it really could put you all the, over the top if you got some derby points would be um, coming up in February 17th. And that would be the Risen Star. It's a $400,000 added from the fairgrounds. Uh, we're looking at the Rebel at Oklahoma, which is a 1200000 Uh, February 24th, Uh, Fountain of Youth at uh, Gulfstream uh, on March 2nd, Uh, the Gotham in Aqueduct uh, on March 2nd, Uh, the San Felipe at Santa Anita on March 2nd, and then the Tampa Bay Derby. Uh, Those are the the mid-range races that you need to get in because that would add to your derby points, and you'd put you in a good position to actually get in the derby you'd probably need one more race to have enough points you know to secure a spot at that top 20 position in there um then, then the second leg of the series is this is brutal i mean this is really brutal because you got so many things that you got to take care of and think of and you know, uh, you, you don't want to think about injuries. You don't want to think about weather. You just hope that you can catch a nice, uh, you know, mild day, uh, you know, to finish out your last derby race. Um, and, there, and that would uh, be the Louisiana Derby. That's March 23rd um, that you're looking at. Uh, you're looking at the Jeff Ruby Stakes at Turfway, March 23rd. Uh, UAE Derby uh, at Maiden. Uh, March 23rd or March 30th. And then you're looking at the Florida Derby, March 30th. You're looking at the Arkansas Derby, March 30th. The Bluegrass Stakes is one of the, like, uh, Johnny Come Lately's, so uh, you know, desperately trying to get in, you know, to the Derby. And, and a lot of horses have done that. And, and, uh, you're looking at the Bluegrass, the Santa Anita and the Wooden Memorial, um, April the 6th. And that's kind of late going into the Derby because you know that gives you uh, basically three weeks to recover and to recoup. And the thing of it is, is all these prep races that you run in. Is, is there's quite a few factors into it that really make it tough, tough on you to go. And those factors are the fact that you're running against top-notch quality races. You're running against Possibly against full fields of, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12 horses, which you'd like to see your horse get in a full field because it gives them a little bit of experience because when they go to the derby, it's going to be 20 horses that they have to run against. And, you know, that's going to be an interesting situation uh, because all the light races that you could, that you could, um, you know, run now are not light races anymore. They're all derby qualifiers, derby points and you got to be very careful, you know, about what you do and how you do it. And hopefully you can, you know, win one one or two in the races and get enough points to qualify for. Uh that's the that's the thing that everybody thinks about now. You know, is what they're doing, how are they going. You know, and again like I'm saying, you know, uh tomorrow uh, on IEN, we have uh the Jerome Stakes uh from uh uh Aqueduct. And we've got other live racing there and to see, you know, what's going to get them there. Um, you know, so that's going to be an interesting day tomorrow to have a good programming. And then the thing that, that um, you know, like I said on how they get there, the owners are the most important part of the deal. Because, you know, every time, and I know when I was working with horses that were going to run in the Derby, every time the phone rang in my house, you know, I was thinking, was there something wrong with the horse? Is there a problem? Why do I have to go back to the barn? Do I have to go back to the barn? You know, those are the things that, that you start thinking about when you, when you get into the business. That that phone is nice to have, but when it rings, you know, it, it could be, you know, a, a double-edged sword. You know, with it, and so the owner's got to think about that, same as the trainers and everybody else. But, you know, now you start to get contingency plans. Well, you know, if it's snowing in Hot Springs, in Oklahoma Park, should we maybe, you know, wait a week and skip over and go to, um, you know, to Aquanaut, you know, or go to Florida, or go to Kentucky, California? You know, that that's the thing that they have to start worrying about is the weather. That is going to be, right now, I would say the most telltale sign of what's going to happen with your horse is is the weather coming up. Because, you know, you don't know whether it's going to be snow, rain, sleet, freezing, it's going to be hot. You've got no idea what it's going to be. But you hope that you can get your horse in the best conditions. And then you got to look at it, like I said, a double-edged sword. Let's say if it's been raining where you're at, like it did in Hot Springs last year, what if you get to Churchill and it's a muddy track and it's raining? You know, then that would fit right into your training plan, even though it wasn't planned, you know, you didn't plan it. But at least, you know, your horse has got, uh, you know, experience running in, um, you know, condition, uh, a condition that uh, he'll be running in at Churchill. Um, you know, same with, what if, what if it was all a, a nice, you know, sunny day in the 70s or 80s at Churchill And you've been in Florida all winter long where your horse is used to the heat. You know, uh, those are things that the owners and trainers think about now, you know, when they're they're coming through with it. And and I tell you, just to pick out the, um, you know, the races. And so what you do is you get a sheet and you got all 26 of the races that are scheduled for the uh, derby points. And so you go through and like say the first one is the Iroquois in the middle of September at Churchill Downs, okay? And then right after, then, um, you know, a couple of weeks later, uh, there's the jockey club at Churchill Downs. So now, you know, you're kind of looking, well, if we win the Iroquois, do we come back real quick and run the horse in a jockey club and then lay the horse up for, you know, 30 days and see what happens? You know, you could do that, a possibility, but if you win the Iroquois and you don't run in the jockey club, you know, then you got the Breeders' Cup coming up, you know, in the first of uh, November, you know, so you got a, a, a couple of ways that you can go there. And then after the Breeders' Cup, you know, when do you bring him back? Do you bring him back at the first of January like we have now with the, you know, with the with the Jerome Stakes uh, tomorrow, you know, uh, is that where you come, come out with him? you know you could possibly hold off to um you know uh, uh a later race down the road uh you know I it's kind of hard to say you know where where do you go with them uh you know it's tough and it's all how they get there and there's no right way to do it i've seen some horses that have Sarah that have to run you know like say on the first of the month And come back, you know, three weeks later, and win, and come back three weeks later again, and win. You know, it's very interesting to see, you know, how how that scenario works out, you know, with them. So, um, you know, that that's tough. And then you got to get with your jockeys Uh, when it starts coming into uh, about the jockeys, and and we're going to go behind the scenes with them, and and we've got a good interview uh, of a veteran jockey uh, that uh, has been there and done that with uh, feet He's going to tell you exactly what it's like to be a, a jockey, you know, and the things that you got to go through. And, and, you know, like I said, I always thought the, the owner's jo- uh, job was the hardest, and the trainer's job selecting the races, you know, was tough. But really, when you think about it, look at the jockey. Some of these jockeys are so doggone good, that they, you got to figure out what jockey best fits your horse. And then that jockey's got to say, "Hey, you know, yeah, I'll ride your horse," or he might have another horse that the jockey thinks that might be the best horse. You know, so you got to have a contingency plan for that. If I can't get my regular jockey, who do I, who's going to be my next bet? You know, for him. So that you know that, that's another situation that that you get into. Um, then you know nowadays the, the way traffic is and everything out on the roads and. The things that are that are out there, you got to get with your transportation people and find out. You know when is uh, you know the best uh, time to go. You know to get in. Uh, do you go to Churchill Downs uh, three days before the Derby? Uh, you know a week before the Derby or two weeks before the Derby? Uh, you know, and, and you really can't tell determine that until you race your last race before the Derby and see how the horse comes out of the race. Uh, sometimes, you know, a horse could run in a, in a big stake race on the way to the Derby or any any race, and, uh, you know, he had a rough go of it, and then what do you do? You know, you don't, do you have any days you can lay him off? Do you have enough points that you can lay him off for a week or two, you know, to, uh, to let him recoup? Uh, hopefully, you got enough points, and that's why these points are so important. And that's why Churchill Churchill's faced the, the um, qualifying races out in a, in a pattern that um, just about every trainer can, you know, jump down there and score him some uh, uh, derby points to, uh, you know, uh, uh, get him there. And I, I'm telling you, you know, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And, and what, you know, where do you go? What do you do? How do you do it? You know, that's not what everybody's thinking now. First of May's coming up pretty quick. It doesn't seem like it when you're talking about it, but when you're you know, going somewhere like the Derby, you know, you gotta start planning now. You can't wait till down the road. And uh you know, I tell you, I'm already tense and worn out just thinking about all of it. You know, and just thinking about all of it. So it's gonna be interesting to see. Uh I hope everybody can go to the Derby, you know, make their plans for the Derby see what's going on. It's a traditional thing that's celebrated by people from all over the world, uh, especially here in the United States. Uh, It's really interesting to see uh, all the traditions that people have. In fact, uh, I've got another project that I'm doing. It's called the Triple Crown Tradition, tradition coming soon, to IEN. And uh, we've got Churchill Downs, Pimlico, and Belmont. They all make up the Triple Crown. And uh, we also have the Breeders' Cup that, that uh, is part of it. And what we're going to do is we're going to have uh, a derby week. We're going to have uh, a cooking show. Uh, we're going to try to get a, a trainer, an owner, and a jockey to bring their favorite Kentucky Derby recipes uh, to the public, uh, to, for television broadcast. And see what, what they do and what their tradition is. And it would be interesting to see, uh, you know, uh, uh, different nationalities there, which we will have to see what's going on with it. Um, and they're going to do that. And then we're going to have a winner and we don't know if it's going to be a trainer or, you know, a jockey, you know, or an owner, but we'll have a winner and we're going to do the same thing at Pimlico. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Pimlico and we're going to see. Uh, who has what? Uh, more likely it will be a seafood, uh, dish, um, at, um Pimlico because of the Maryland seafood is just out of this world. And again, we have a, uh, an owner, trainer, you know, or a jockey. And then, uh, we finish up with, uh, the Belmont. And we're gonna see what kind of, uh, uh, food we're gonna have at the Belmont. Uh, traditionally it's, uh, uh, like a high-end, uh, you know, beef uh, type of thing, uh, uh, seafood type of thing. Uh, don't tell them what we'll get out of Belmont. Uh, it, that'll be really surprising. And then after we have the three winners um, at the uh, Breeders' Cup in California at Del Mar, we're going to have uh, the uh, uh, we're going to have the Triple Crown uh, uh, tradition broadcast and we're going to put all three winners against each other, and they're going to select their own uh, Breeders' Cup meal. Uh, It's not going to, uh, like in Kentucky, it's usually barbecue, Pimlico seafood, Belmont State. We don't know what these winners are going to come up with. It's going to be their own recipes. They're going to be cooking it themselves, and uh, we'll have the uh, Triple Crown uh, tradition uh, champion uh, will be crowned on, on that Breeders' Cup day, and this is something that we're going to, you know, have year-round or, you know, every every year that we'll we have it. And one of the things that uh, I like on there, uh, we're getting starting to get in Triple Crown um, uh, recipes sent in to us, and we're going to be posting those up on on uh, our website. Uh, right now, the first recipe got what we got was the Kentucky Hot Brown. Uh, man, that, those are really good. Those are good 24-7, breakfast, noon, and night. Uh, you know, there's something that are really, really good. They're like a, a little slider that they, they make up, which is really good. So um but you know, those are the things that, that we're doing here. Uh, just trying to make it better. I've got just so many things going on and, and I try not to neglect, uh, you know, anything, uh, there. Uh, trying to make it, you know, make it nice for everybody. Like we've got posted on um, Dan Fogelberg, uh, Run for the Roses. That's a great song from, you know, from Churchill. Um, We have uh, the uh, United States Navy Glee Club uh, from Maryland, singing Maryland by Maryland. And then we have, you know, um, the uh, uh, New York, New York on the Belmont. You know, those are traditions you know, that we're doing there. But uh, basically, you know, what I'm talking about here is we're just trying to get, um, you know, the uh, uh, horse information out there is what we're trying to do. Um, you know, it's very, very interesting to see uh, things that go on in the horse business, uh, especially, you know, uh, in the other sports like polo uh like uh show horses uh, American quarter horses uh the after the after uh, uh care work that's being done with the off track thoroughbreds uh that's really a, a good thing to be into the off track thoroughbreds. Uh, a lot of these horses that race on the track uh, when they retire you know they just shut down all at once and they're used to you know training every day and you know going on the track you know pretty much seven days a week and and then when they get done, you know, what do they do? You know, it's really tough on a lot of them. So there's a lot of people out there now that have um, off-the-track thoroughbreds. In fact, we've got several of them here uh, at uh, Sunshine Metals. And John Beebe, uh, uh, an ex-jockey that has uh, Carriage Hill Farms and Arlington Farms uh, here, um, he had a, a national uh, thoroughbred, off-the-track thoroughbred champion. They, they really adapted to the show horse industry very well. Uh, you know, so, so we have those kind of things that, uh, you know, that, that they can do. And it's amazing to see them. You know, they get out there and they really go, uh, they go crazy on those jumps and they know what to do and how to do it. And it gives them a purpose, you know, something to do. Uh, if they don't go to the breeding shed, you know, then they can come to, you know, to the show arenas. Uh, A lot of them make good trail horses. Uh, there's just so many things that you that you can do with them, and it gives them a purpose you know to to do that and also but you know those are the things that we 're looking at here we 'd like to start getting people uh with some good input put um, our call in, which I should have given earlier is uh three two three seven four 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 eight three one uh and that 's the great thing about doing what I do no pressure on me. No people calling me. No people listening to me. Makes it nice because I got no critics. (laughs) You know, it's all in my mind. I can walk out of here today when I get off the air and say, wow, man, I had a good show. I did good today. feel good about myself. feel good about what I did. Worst thing that could happen to me is I get a whole bunch of listeners calling me saying, boy, you shouldn't have talked about that. You should do this. You should do that. I said, man, oh, man, you know, but it, it's enjoyable. The horse business is enjoyable, no matter how you participate in it. Like with me, I work with a lot of horses here at Sunshine Meadows, Palm Beach Downs. Um I work, work with some of the top, you know, people in the world, in the business. I love it. My outlet and my fun, is this is like playing golf for me, is doing a podcast. You know, I like doing that. You know, so it, it makes it kind of nice. For what what I do, you know, and, and you can do the same thing too. You don't hey look at me, I don't know a lot about broadcasting, but I got a podcast, you know. And you don't need to know a lot about you know horses, but you can go to the horse events, you can go to the uh, to the international polo matches uh, that might be in your area, you can go to the horse shows that might be in your area. Hey, you can even go to the sales. You can go to the sales in Ocala. You can go to the sales in Kentucky and New York and California, Arkansas. And I tell you what, that's a real good day right there. You go to the sales. They give you a book of all the horses that are in there with all their information, who they are, where they've been, what they've done. You get that catalog up, and then you watch them go uh, go into the sales ring and see how much they sell for. A lot of them sell for a million dollars or more. And what I like to do about it, and a lot of people that are new to the horse industry, and to the sales especially, is you can take a look at it and you can kind of guess. Well, you know, you might sit there and be talking with your wife or your kids or your friends and say, well, I think this one will go for 200,000. And it goes for 50,000. And then you say, I think this one might go for 75,000, and it goes for a million. You know, and you get to start, you know, understanding the horses, uh, the bloodlines. You know where they come from. You know what their their parent, what the sire and the and and the dam. You know the parents of the horse have done. Um, You know it's it's interesting to do things like that. You know you don't have to be an expert at it. Like I said, just go and do it. You know uh, that's all you got to do. You might not like it, but it doesn't mean you have to, you know, go back again. But just try doing it. You know, that's all you got to do, and and uh, start watching us on how they get there. Um, next week, uh, I'm going to have a, a video. Uh, it's going to be of Bob Baffert. Uh, Bob Baffert's probably one of the best uh trainers that's ever, you know, gone into, uh, you know, the racetrack, and but he's had a lot of issues. He's had a lot of issues and he's done things that people are never going to do again. Um, you know, but like I said, he's had issues. And so next week, uh, we're going to go in and uh, we're going to take a look at Bob. Um, uh, it's from our friends at the morning show. Uh, it'll be a Bob Baffert update is Churchill downs, um, uh, ink, uh, re, uh, reheating, um, uh, uh, threatening Bob Baffert's uh, uh, route to the Derby. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh We're going to have two or three things on there and they're about 30 minutes long and, and just see what all's going on. But, uh, hope you tune in next week. Um, like I said, go to IENTV.org and you'll see what we're all about. And one of these days we're going to get a real announcer on here and, uh, make it easy for you guys to listen to. So, folks, have a good New Year. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week and hear you next week on IENTv.org.